the illest of course. Real fans, real talk. We the illest on court. Real fans, real talk. We as real as we thought. Real fans, real talk. Reporting live from the cam. High in demand, so please stand by if you can. What we got is worth a lot, so put a tie in your plans. On court, talking sports through the eyes of the fans. With Trip Young, Emma Marie, Eric Sanchez. You heard what I said, we elite. Check the latest topics and stay ahead of the beat. Keep us in your topics and we ahead. What's going on? Welcome to another Quarantine TV edition of Real Fans Real Talk. We got a whole lot to get into. One big knockout in the world of boxing. Whole lot of NFL action going down. A couple of injuries to report. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce my co-host, Legend of Two Games, Eric Sanchez. What's up, bro? What's really good, bro? I'm super excited to get into it. Uh, we've been very spoiled recently with some great boxing. That's leading, obviously, into Week 8 NFL and some NBA talk. So I'm looking forward to all of it. So, man, let's just jump right into this uh, fight. Six-round knockout, Tank, Javante Davis. Uh, did you expect the fight to go as long as it did? Yes. Um, I talked about it on, on the Sanchez Show podcast and my recent breakdown where I thought uh, Santa Cruz was going to test Javante. He was going to make Javante uncomfortable at points throughout the fight. And I also thought that it would get into the later rounds um, it didn't get as late as I thought, because obviously six rounds is the middle of the fight. But all the other things I expected to see, we saw. And ultimately, Javante Davis not only winning this fight, obviously, you know, is great for the resume to say, hey, I had this tremendous six-round knockout in a championship fight against a, a quality fighter such as Leo Santa Cruz. But I think he, he really comes out of this in a much more uh, positive light in regards to his career as a fighter. Um, for the last few years, we've wondered how serious he is about the craft. He's had issues with weight in the past, making weight at 130 and 135. It actually cost, cost him his belt at one point where he was stripped of the title for being overweight. So to hear that he was in camp for 14 weeks leading up to this fight, to, to hear all the things we heard from not only his trainer, but from Floyd Mayweather and Leonard Ellaby, uh, who are obviously uh, Mayweather promotions, they talked about a level of focus and dedication that they hadn't seen before this fight. He understood what was on the line. It was his first uh, headline as a pay-per-view fighter. I thought Leo truly did test him. There were moments in the fight early where you could see Tank noticed he wasn't just going to be able to physically impose his will on Leo Santa Cruz. He was going to have to box him at points. And when he needed to accelerate and put the pressure on Leo, he did, which led to the knockout. Um, I thought the fight was great. You know, I know people will, will focus on the, on the knockout, but if you watch the six rounds, I thought the first round was a draw. I thought you could have given the first round to either the fighter. It was that exciting. Uh, I thought Tank won the second round, but I thought Leo took the third round. And Leo was winning that sixth round before he got knocked out. So it was a, a very entertaining fight, and we learned a lot about Tank Davis moving forward in the um, lightweight division. I hope that, you know, he can stay out of trouble, you know, outside of the ring. Uh, you know, he had the, the issue a couple of, couple of months ago with his, the mother of his child. Um, this, is, this is a big win for him. Moving up again, you said the issues that he had with with, with uh, making weight for the fight. Um, the, you know, there is there is a little bit of extra pressure on him because of the fact that he's Mayweather's guy. Um, so there's always going to be that extra pressure when you're talking about the you know the guy who's basically in your corner is you know arguably one of the greatest of all time, uh, undefeated through Mayweather. So there's a little bit of extra pressure on him, but. You know, th this fight in itself was huge. Um, like you said, the, the fight was actually you know kind of kind of kind of split up, up until this point. And he, and he I mean, whew, I, 
I don't think he saw or had any idea that that uppercut was coming. But when he caught him, he caught him very good. It was, it was an ugly knockout. Um, you know, congrats to him on getting the win, get get another belt to add to the collection. Um, but again, he has to stay out of trouble off the fit, off the you know outside of the ring. I think that's the most important for Tank is is really outside because that's where it starts the the mentality, the mindset of of what you're doing outside of the ring because that outside of the ring can actually affect what goes on inside the ring or whether or not you actually get to step back inside of the ring so I, I really hope that this is the all right you know what we got to mature we're gonna leave that behind us in the past and 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 we as fans of the sports and spectators you know we got to give them that 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 opportunity to to move on um a, a huge uh win for him i'm looking forward to see um you know what's gonna happen next if he's gonna if he's gonna stay at the uh, at, at that weight class, or if he is gonna continue uh, to move move up, and how long he is gonna stay at that that weight? I think he's gonna give us two more fights at that weight. Um, there are some opportunities out there. The names have been floating around. Obviously, have been there for quite some time. Ryan Garcia. Um, you got Mikey Garcia, who has flirted with one forty and one thirty five. That's gonna be available. Um, obviously, Tiafimo, who was spectacular in his 135 match against um, Lomachenko, is going to be available. And they've thrown jab, verbal jabs at each other uh, the last few weeks since since Tio won his fight. Um, in regards to your comment, and you're right, he, he's got to be more focused outside of the ring. And I think that was always the knock on him. It was never about the talent in the ring because we could see it. I mean, this is a guy, again, he's got 24 wins, 23 of them are knockouts. Um, he's only been to the 12th round one time in his career, and that was in his fight against um, Gamboa last December, and he stopped him in the 12th round. Um, and people highlighted the Gamboa fight because Gamboa actually tore his Achilles in the second round of that fight, and yet still went 12 rounds with Tank, which spoke again to Tank's level of commitment in the ring. Like, there's no way that as talented as you are, Tank Davis, a fighter fighting on one leg should be able to take you to 12 rounds. You're supposed to get that guy up out of there. You know, the guy is hobbling yeah. around, but yet hanging around for some reason. And I think, again, what we saw yesterday, and I give I, a major congratulations to Tank for this, was Tank realized early in that fight, this is going to be a battle. This It ain't going to be pretty. I'm not going to look spectacular in what I'm doing. Yes, the knockout was spectacular, but everything leading up to the, to the fight was just that, a fight. They were exchanging. Every time Tank would get a combo off, Leo would get a combo off. Uh... You know, Tank was able to cut Leo on the bridge of his nose early in the fight. By that sixth round, Tank's right eye was swelling up. So mm -hmm. they they were they were really going at it. And I think for the first time in Tank's career, he was tested by a guy who was good enough to test him. Tank is the better fighter, but Leo is a very good fighter. We actually had the, the privilege of seeing him in person at the Barclays. We know what he brings to the table. And so I think now Tank's level of confidence is going to shoot through the roof now because he's been tested. He knows what it takes to be a world champion and, and defend a belt at that level. And this is no different than when Mayweather was, was tested in his first battle uh, against Luis Castillo back in the 90s. And a lot of people think that Luis Castillo may have even beat Floyd in that first fight. But that made Floyd a better fighter moving forward because it was that moment in his career where he realized this is what it takes to be the level of champion that I want to be. And I've got to be able to get to that point anytime I'm in the ring. I think we're going to see a great Tank Davis moving forward. Um, I think I think Ryan Garcia might be the play because it's big for pay per view. Ryan Garcia has a huge following on social media. 
Uh, it's really going to be up to De La Hoya if De La Hoya wants to put him in there because I, I personally don't think Ryan Garcia is ready for Tank Davis. But, you know, if De La Hoya feels their fight is ready, I think that could be a major pay-per-view of two young stars. Now, see, um, you know, that one would actually be a really big fight. But one thing that you mentioned that could actually trip that thing up is the history between De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather. Because Floyd, you know, because Tank is Floyd Mayweather's fighter, and 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 he's with uh, with De La Hoya, you know that could get really tricky as well. So we gotta kind of kind of see how this whole thing plays out if they're gonna play nice with each other. Because you know, De La Hoya is, is he's gonna get try to milk this fight for everything is worth. Mayweather is a guy who's not gonna let you shortchange anything that he's doing. Like. It's to the point where it don't even have anything to do with, 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 with Tank Davis. Mayweather is not about to let you short shortchange him on anything. So I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing if they can actually get this fight to uh to, to, to happen. Um hopefully both sides can come together. I hate, you know, when we don't get to see fights because the promoters, you know what I mean, can't can't get, get it together. And I think there's a huge possibility because of the history between De La Hoya and Mayweather. They've both taken shots at each other uh, several times, and this is well after their their fight. Um, you know, when, when when Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, uh, De La Hoya had a, a lot to say in regards to, to Mayweather and just taking that fight. And then you know he actually ultimately wanted to do one as well afterwards. But they have they have issues going back and forth for years. So I'm interested to see how those two handle the, the, the negotiations in, in a possible super fight between the two of these guys. Yeah, and, and like you said, there's always been bad blood between Floyd and Oscar. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is uh, rooted in jealousy on Oscar's side. Um, Floyd took literally everything Oscar had. You know, when when Floyd left Bob Arum and, and started, you know, um, Mayweather promotions and, and went out on his own, one of the main reasons was because Bob Arum wouldn't give him the fight with Oscar De La Hoya. And he was begging for the fight with Oscar and they wouldn't give it to him for, for whatever their reasoning was, whether they felt Mayweather is better than him and we don't want to lose our cash cow or they felt like maybe you're not ready. Whatever their reason was, they didn't want to give Floyd the fight. And when yeah. he went out on his own and started Mayweather promotions and built up the name to the point where Bob Arum and him could no longer ignore him. He beats Oscar. He becomes the pound for pound king at that point when he beats Oscar. He becomes the pay-per-view king because that mm -hmm. fight against Oscar had broke all types of pay-per-view records. And him beating Oscar propelled him to far greater heights than Oscar had even seen in the, in the world of boxing. And from that point on, Oscar never recovered that you know, that glow that he had as the golden boy because it was no longer about him anymore. Floyd Mayweather had become the face the night he beat him, and Floyd May Mayweather had continued to be the face of boxing for over a decade after that. Um, I think deep down, Oscar is not going to let Ryan Garcia fight uh, Tank Davis. And, and there are a couple factors. One, as I talked about, I don't think Ryan Garcia is ready for him right now. Ryan, mm -hmm. Ryan Garcia has no one of credibility on his resume that we could say, hey, you beat that guy, so you deserve to get tanked. He has no fighter on his resume of that caliber. Uh, secondly, I think that Oscar and Golden Boy, and Bernard Hawkins is over there as well, they're great business minds and, and great boxing minds. They know, as you talked about, that Tank may not stay at 130 or 135. We know mm -hmm. that right now in the sport of boxing, the big money is at 140 and 147. We've talked about it before. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, 
Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter. Teofimo's already flirted with the idea of he's going in here. Mikey Garcia did it a year and a half ago when he fought Spence. He went from 135 up to 140. So, and, and let's not forget, uh, even though he's older, uh, there's still a legend by the name of Manny Pacquiao who's floating around at 147. So there are so many big fights to be made at 140 or 147 that if you're, if you're Oscar De La Hoya and you feel that Ryan Garcia isn't ready yet, then you play the waiting game and you wait it out because you know deep down Tank is not sticking around at 130 or 135 for much longer. Like I said, he may give us one or two more fights at that weight before he moves up to the big money and the bigger names. And if you're Ryan Garcia, you wait it out. And guess what? In a year and a half, the division is yours anyway because you're going to be the best fighter left. I mean, you still got Gary Russell Jr. You still got Devin Haney who are good fighters. But those guys aren't the level of Tank or Teofimo. We, we just saw in the last three weeks two of the brightest young stars boxing has to offer. And those guys are on the rise. Both of those guys are in their early 20s on the rise. So if they stay at 135, there's no shot for Ryan Garcia to ever have a belt there. But with those guys possibly moving up, you play the weight game and you take over the division after those guys leave. Exactly. Because what you don't want to, to happen is a, a uh, Canelo Alvarez Mayweather situation where you talk this big, big fight up and then we see that he really was not ready. And because Javante Davis is a knockout fighter, you, you know, you step in there too early and that's going to be you getting knocked out. At least, you know what I'm saying, with, with Mayweather, at that point in his career, he wasn't a knockout fighter. So it's like, yeah, you know, you went the distance, but clearly Mayweather outclassed Canelo Alvarez in that fight. This ain't going to be like that. You go in the, in, in, into the ring right now with a young, powerful Tank Davis and you're not prepared, you're not, you're not on, on that level just that he will knock you out and it'll be ugly, uh, ugly stain on your career. So I think he should do exactly what you said. Wait it out. Tank Davis is, is going to continue to move up soon. Let these guys go. And, uh, and, and then you take over the division. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, let's not be fooled by what took place yesterday. Leo knew about the uppercut or fight. He was able to, to either dodge it or eat it. He, he was able to take it. But that last uppercut, he never saw coming. If you watch yes. the replay, when he throws out the straight right hand, Tank slips it so lovely to the left and throws the uppercut that Leo's hand is still extended when the punch lands. He never yes. saw the punch coming. So with going into the fight and understanding that game plan, he wasn't able to avoid it. And for the Ryan Garcia fans, this is not a knock on Ryan Garcia. Like I said, he doesn't have that type of resume. Leo Santa Cruz is and he wasn't and he still is not a slouch. He just happened to go up against a supremely talented fighter who possesses mm -hmm. the type of power that we rarely see in the game. There, there are only a few guys that we ever talk about that have that type of power that we know one punch completely changes the dynamic of the fight. Tank showed us again, he is that type of fighter. As great as Leo's game plan was and as, as all the things as, as great as Leo was doing in that fight, that one punch changed the game. I'm telling you now, if you're Ryan Garcia, you do not take this fight. Not now. Damn sure not over the next year. If you take yeah. this fight, you better be talking 18 months from now when you when you give yourself proper preparation for this type of fight because he will hurt you. And as you said, your career may never look the same after going in there with Tank. Exactly. Now you you, you brought up you brought up uh, Brooklyn Zone Teofimo a minute ago. Uh, he does have a, a foot injury. He's having surgery, uh, so he's going to be out 
for about five to six weeks. Uh, he is currently undisputed right now at a, and, and I'm so happy for him. I'm so proud of him. Just you know, being from the city, being from Brooklyn. Um, I'm looking forward to him getting back and getting back into training once once everything is healed up from the surgery. They can get back out to uh, to work because I think there's a lot more in store uh, for for this young kid. I think he is he is one of the future kings of boxing um and he has a long way to go so again i wish him a speedy uh recovery absolutely um you know i can't wait to see him back in the ring as we talked about last time after he won i think he is going to give us one more fight at 135 to defend the belt um Mm -hmm. but we do want him to get healthy get well um and then take your time because you know what you call all the shots now bro you're the champ you have all, you the, got belts. all the belts. You got all the belts. <laughs> and so you heal up, you get your foot right, and then you call the shots. If it's Devin Haney at 135 just to end end any discussions, you do that. If it's, you know, it, you know, I don't think him and Tank plan on getting it on, even though they're throwing jabs. Not yet anyway. I, I would highly doubt that they would come out of the fight yeah. they just came out of and then fight each other. No. That that, you know, that, I, that, that, would, that would be too 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 good for the fans. Like that would be yeah. we, we don't just, we're not worried of that just yet. Yeah, we, we're not worried of it just yet. But I, I will say again, um, and, and you said it, he is one of the true stars in the game, um, not only just in skill, but in, but in character. And, and he's a guy that has the personality that can carry the sport. When, when he says the things he says and he calls it the takeover and, you know, his dad says the thing he says, they truly believe what they're talking about. And so far, the proof is in the pudding. They're showing us this is the takeover. They've taken over the 135 division. So the sky's the limit for that young man. Exactly. Now back to back weeks, we didn't we didn't have Deontay Wilder popping back up. Uh, you know, as you guys know, last week he uh, fish, he made it official uh, removing Mark Breland, who was actually a friend of the show uh, from the from the team. This week he is calling out Tyson Fury. Uh, he believes that Tyson Fury is trying to dodge the trilogy fight um, between them. Tyson Fury uh, says he's scheduled to fight on December 5th. He hasn't announced his opponent yet for the 5th of December. However, clearly it's not Deontay Wilder, or we would not be talking about this right now. Um, I mean, I really hope that Deontay can bounce back from the last fight. Uh, you know, whether or not the timing is is, is December or, or whatnot, I, I can't say. Um, because especially now, because... I mean, the training staff is is a little, you know, out of whack right now with Mark Wheeler stepping away. So, and I think that, you know, once he's actually ready to get back in the ring, it's going to be a whole new uh, regime. I know JD's is still there. Shout out to JD's. Um, but I'm pretty sure they're going to bring someone else in to replace Mark Breland. So that's going to take a little while. So maybe, you know, Unless we're talking about you know him fighting Anthony Joshua, that would be one thing. But if he's just fighting a little filler, fighting in between, maybe it might be for the best for you to fight a filler in between just to get used to working with whoever's going to be the new member of your training team, and then come back after that fight and get the trilogy fight. Um, but I get it, you know, Deontay Wilder is a warrior. He's anxious. He he wants that belt back. He worked extremely hard to get that belt in the first place. So many title defenses. He was the first American champion, I think, like twenty years. Um, you know, and we, when we had him on the show, and we spoke to him. Uh, you know, he 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 told he told me that that winning that championship was was fulfilling a promise to his daughter. 
Um, and, and if anybody that knows Deontay Wilder, you should you know how important his daughter is, how important his family is in general to him. Um, so I know he really wants to get that that uh, WBC uh, heavyweight title back, as uh, as as he says in the interview. And um, you know, but again, it, right now the ball's in Tyson Fury's court, so to speak. He does have the rematch clause. Um, you know, so it's gonna happen regardless. But we still gotta wait and see. Yeah, it's it's still gonna happen, and I think this is more about politics than anything. Um, I I don't think that Tyson Fury's ducking him. I think this was more a combination of quarantine killed what would have been the rematch because I think they were supposed to fight back in March or April if it had not mm -hmm. been for the you know the pandemic, and then trying to figure out a way to get the fight now and maximize on the profit for it because again this is a trilogy, and this is probably gonna be the last time that you guys fight each other. They're, they're, most times you don't get a fourth match and so if they yeah. do this pay-per-view without fans in the stands it's less money and I think that's where Tyson Fury's camp is looking at it from they're looking at it from the standpoint of we want to make as much money off this fight as possible so if, if it means just us waiting a few more months so that we know we can have fans in the stands and you know get get, get every dollar from it let's do that um, but I, yeah. I get Tyson Fury's point of view. I mean, I, I get uh, Deontay's point of view, too, because if you're Deontay, the last thing you want, bro, is that Tyson Fury loses in December. That's the yeah. last thing you want, because then you don't get an opportunity to get your belts, and it, it, it kills any anticipation for a third fight, you know, if he comes off a loss. Um, I also know that Deontay, and we know this, Deontay has been wanting Anthony Joshua for years. And the fact mm -hmm. that he's seen Tyson Fury already start to negotiate this fight with Anthony Joshua has got to be killing him because it's like, I've been trying to make the fight with the dude and the dude don't want to fight me. And now I, I'm waiting to fight Tyson Fury and you guys are already talking about you guys fighting now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So th there's, there's different things going on in this situation. Um, I think they're going to make the fight. I would not be surprised if we see them fight in the early part of 2021, maybe February or March. Um, Tyson Fury will probably take a tune-up fight. And as you said, Deontay should do the same. Knock off some of the ring rust because he hasn't fought in quite some time. Mm -hmm. Knock off some of the ring rust and then start promoting for the early part of next year. Yeah, I, listen, man, I, I agree a thousand percent. And again, you know, Deontay Wilder is, you know, still, you know, one of my favorite fighters. You know what I'm saying? He showed us a lot of love when we went down to Alabama to uh to, to interview him. So we're always gonna, you know, support him and, and I and I wanted to get that belt back. You know what I'm saying? Like first of all again, first American uh, heavyweight champion in, in, in years and decades. You know, you guys know the the, the Klitschko brothers held that thing down for a long time and they ran the sport of boxing for a very long time. So it was good to see that, you know, play. and then on top of that, you know, Deontay Wilder's a brother too. So, you know, I, I got to support the brothers, man. So I really hope that he can, um, can, can get that, get that thing settled with Tyson Fury and, um, and, and make get that, get that fight going. Cause I think, I, you know, either way, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be an amazing fight. We don't get to see, uh, heavyweight fights like we used to in the 90s where you talk about the top guys because literally while the Klitschko brothers was on their run the only big fight that would have been able to happen would have been them versus each other and they were never going to fight each other so we never actually got to see the top guys in uh, boxing fight each other for a long time so the fact that now you have Wilder 
you have Fury, you have Anthony Joshua. These are fights that we want to see. We've already seen uh, Wilder and Fury go at it twice, but the thing ain't over, the trilogy ain't over, and then after that, whichever one of them does win, then we got to see that super fight with Anthony Joshua, and that is going to be, you know, I, that's going to be a huge fight. Well, as you mentioned, the, the Klitschko brothers ruined the heavyweight division um, in the way that they handled their business. Not in their skill, but in the way they handled their business. And so, and, and FYI, I've been critical of this guy on the show as well. Anthony Joshua, you're cut from the same cloth as the Klitschkos. So let's not pretend that you're anything different than what they were. But Wilder and Fury, they resurrected the heavyweight division. Deontay Wilder for what he was doing here stateside, knocking everybody out, putting on a show every time he got in the ring. Tyson Fury battling his addiction and then dismantling Klitschko over in, in Europe. And then both those guys having the you-know-what to say, we're going to fight now. You've been the best guy. I've been the best guy. Now we're going to fight. And they gave us an absolute classic the first time. And they fought again. And they gave us a really good fight the second time. Yes, it was more one-sided, but it was still a good fight. Those guys single-handedly have resurrected the heavyweight division. We deserve to see them fight again. We will see, see them fight again. I just think that the biggest travesty in all of this is that it's probably going to be the last time we see them fight. And then ultimately, a guy like Anthony Joshua, again, is going to get to dictate when he wants to fight, where he wants to fight. And that is what's killing the heavyweight division. Because when yeah. we talk about all these other divisions, all these other divisions have been able to thrive because the fighters want to fight. Right. Nobody, nobody had to make Triple G and Canelo fight. <laughs> they yeah. wanted to fight. Nobody has to make all these welterweights and lightweights fight. These guys want to fight. And for whatever reason, we have a guy like Anthony Joshua who's trying to be selective about when he wants to fight. That's what's yeah. killing the sport, man. And, and even, you know, with the with the smaller weight classes, with, you know, welterweight, uh, junior welterweight, lightweight, there's a lot more top caliber fighters so even if you know we had to wait a little while for mayweather pacquiao but there's a lot of other good fighters that are fighting each other in between that so you know what i'm saying whereas in the heavyweight division it's joshua fury wilder and there's a huge drop from that level of talent that level of notoriety to the rest of those guys in, 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 in the division. You know, I mean, I guess after those three, you get that drop, and I'll probably say Pavekin, um and uh, maybe Ortiz, you know. But again, these top three guys, I mean, we're talking about one loss for Wilder, one loss for Joshua, you know what I mean? So there's a huge drop. Then maybe after that, you know, I have Big Baby Miller, who I really don't even know if he's going to even be able to get back into a ring if he could stop, you know, using and doing all the stuff that he's doing. Uh, and, so, and I've heard, yeah, and I've heard Andy Ruiz's name thrown out as a possible uh, Wilder um, opponent. You know, so we, we got to see that you're right. It's, <laughs> well, well, no, no. I mean, remember, he, he took the loss um, to Joshua. He's in a mix. He's, he's an entertaining fighter. I don't think he's of that caliber. I'm not saying he's up but there. But it would be a good fighter. Right. But he's a respectable enough fighter where you say, you know what? He, he, he was able to catch lightning in a bottle one time against Joshua. Could he do it again? Um, yeah. But, but you're, you're right in what you said, too, that in the other weight classes, the talent is so deep that even as we wait for the mega fight, we still get great fights in between. Like, yep. we, we want to see Spence versus Crawford. 
But you know what? We're still happy that we got Danny Garcia versus Spence. We're still happy that you know that we're getting Sean Porter against Spence. We're happy about those type of fights. Um, as we waited for Mayweather Pacquiao, we got Mayweather Canelo. We got Mayweather Mayadana. You know, we got Pacquiao against Marquez. So we got we got some really good fights, even as we waited for the mega fight. And it's it's just disheartening that in the heavyweight division, we knew the fight we're waiting for. Yeah, we knew exactly. the fight we're waiting for. And there's one in particular guy who wants no parts of that fight. And and for the people, don't let him fool you. He wants no parts of that fight. He probably was the happiest when Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder because he knew that let him off the hook. He knew that let him off the hook. Had had Wilder been able to win that second fight, and at that point, if Wilder wins the second fight, we may not even talk about a trilogy because Wilder was winning the first fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the, uh, yeah. well I shouldn't say he was winning. He, he was he was moments away from winning the first fight. Yeah. And and if he wins the second just, fight, yeah. Right. There there probably isn't a trilogy. So. With that being said, the guys, he's got to step up to the plate now. Anthony Joshua has got to cut the nonsense out and step up to the plate. You want to be the champion. You want to be regarded and respected as the champion. You got to stop ducking, guys. You've been ducking Deontay Wilder for about three years now. Stop ducking. Fight Deontay Wilder. Why are you so, why are you so easily motivated to make a fight with Tyson Fury, but not as easily motivated to make a fight with Deontay Wilder? Stop the nonsense, bro. Stop. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, this is this is what the heavyweight division has come to. Hopefully, we can get on and get past this because these are going to be great fights. However, you slice it. Uh, let's jump over to NFL though. Uh, a lot going on right now. Dallas has lost another quarterback. It's only going to be for for about a week. But uh, Andy Dalton took a mean hit last week and uh, caught a concussion. Concussion. So now we will have the the third string uh, quarterback, the rookie. Uh, facing facing the Eagles in um, in a game that will, will will dictate who takes over first place in the worst division in football right now. Yeah, this this is one of them games that I wouldn't be surprised if they just end in a tie. That's how bad both these teams are right now. Um, the Cowboys, for some reason, though they they've had a recent history of this luck where. Backup quarterbacks and undrafted quarterbacks become stars. And I'm not saying this kid Danucci is going to follow that path, but we saw that with, with uh, Tony Romo. We saw it with Dak Prescott. And if this kid lights it up tonight and then lights it up again next week, because it's, it's a possibility Andy Dalton may miss next week as well, we may be looking at, a, at another situation of an, uh, uh, you know, a, a lower-end quarterback, a third-string quarterback who was drafted in the seventh round, becoming a starter for the Cowboys. And... Listen, at, at this point, I, I don't I don't even know who I want to see come out of the NFC East. As you said, the division is so bad. I don't even know who I want to even see come out. I did a top five Super Bowl contenders ranking recently. Obviously, I didn't list anybody in the NFC because I don't think anybody in the NFC is worthy of even making the playoffs. In the East. In the, in the, NFC East. In the East. NFC East. Yeah. No team is worthy of even making the playoffs, I don't think. No, not at all. And, and I think a season like this, is going to really make the league look at this division winner home field advantage thing. Um, because, again, the, everyone in the NFC East is sorry right now. None of them deserve to go. They've all been horrible from the top to the bottom. And it's unfortunate that one of these teams will win the division and have a, have a home game for the first round of the playoffs. 
you know, and, and, and it sucks. It's, it's some real BS because it's not deserving at all when you see the the, the work that these other teams. I mean, you talk about the, the the NFC West. You could all four of those teams could be in the playoffs, and somebody's not going to make it because we have to have the the, the division winner from the NFC East in this thing. So it, it, it's kind of crazy. I don't even like the, the teams are so bad. Like you said, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who to look at in this game. You know what I mean? Like even with the the third string quarterback, they got as good a chance as anybody to win this game. Yeah, unfortunately, we're gonna get an NFC team, NFC team that has a winning record and maybe even ten wins who won't make it. Um, because you said, all, all four of those teams in the West are on pace to win ten games. So. You yeah. could have one of those teams go ten and six, and it's like, nah, you're not gonna make it because an eight and eight Dallas team or an eight and eight Philly team is in the playoffs. And not only are they in the playoffs, like you said, they're gonna get a, a home game uh, at the start of the playoffs. So um, I think the NFL does need to reevaluate that a little bit. And I, I mean, there is no exact science to change it. We know this happens all the time. There's always that one division that's always bad. But the NFL's yeah. got to figure out a way to not penalize some of the other teams that could make the playoffs. I'm not saying that we can't have a representative out of the East. We should, but you damn sure should not have a playoff game. There, there should be some stipulation as like, all right, you won the division, but we can't reward you by giving you a playoff team because we're, we're on the verge yeah. of seeing Dallas or Philly win the division and they may be playing the Seahawks and the Seahawks got to go to their place. You know, yeah, that's crazy. Right. Or, you know, the Seahawks might have to go there or the Saints might have to go on the road. And it's like, those are teams that's probably going to win 10, 11 games and they got to play you at your place. No that's, that's horrible. That, that That's horrible. Um, I, I don't I don't know if, the, if the, the Cowboys are officially done with the season, if they've given up or not. But they have traded uh, defensive end Everson Griffin over to uh, to Detroit, sending him back to a division that he's actually familiar with. Um, I don't know how much that trade helped him this week because uh, <laughs> they didn't look that good against your your, your Colts uh, today. But um, you know, moving forward, I guess it is a pretty good pickup. But that 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 division is is tough with the with the Bears playing the way they they've played this season. Uh, the Packers, so. And and they and they lost today too, so everybody's kind of still in it. Yeah, uh, the Everson Griffin trade. Um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, we know he dealt with uh, some depression over the last year, so we hope everything's all right with him mentally, and we hope that the trade had nothing to do with um, anything going on personally. We hope that it was just purely on the field, and they they decided to move on from him. Um, but uh, the critic in me also has to wonder because we know over the last week and a half we've heard this talk about guys criticizing a defensive game plan and guys saying coaches aren't coaching it up right. And then we see Everson Griffin get traded. So I, I have to wonder, was he one of those guys that was openly questioning the coaching? Um, and that's why he was sent out. Because as you said, it's, it's a little shocking that you would trade him at this point. The defense has been horrible. And you're trading away a defensive end who was a former pro bowler. Like, you would think that's one of the guys you would try to hold on to to turn things around. Yeah. And I think I just think that, you know, things are so bad right now. They look at this team, and even if you win a division, you know, you're more than likely not making that out of the first round with the team as constructed. The defense has been horrible. Uh, this season, and that's a, that's including 
you know, including Griffin. So, you know, I mean, are you, you know, you got to be prepared for next season when you make a, a trade like that happen right now. Because, again, it's just uh, as, as a pro bowler we're talking about right now. But the defense has just been so horrible as a whole. And it's not just him. You know, we spoke about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was an Xavier Rhodes who was talking about the effort and, in, 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 you know, what do people want us to play, you know what I'm saying, that way all, all game. I, I got to hold and, on. I got to stop you because you I, you can't be putting smart on my man named Xavier Rose with us with the coach. You're talking about Xavier oh, Woods. Xavier Woods. Excuse me. I'm Xavier Woods. Yeah. Don't don't put yeah. smart on my man name. He playing good for us at Indy. He playing good for us at Indy. It wasn't Xavier Rose, no, but I know who you meant though. I know who you meant. My apologies. Yeah. So you know when we talk about the effort, and then we we look last week in the uh, you know in, in that um, that Seahawks. Cardinals game, and you see Russell Wilson throw what should have been a pick six, but DK Metcalf tracks this guy down, not giving up on the play. Ultimately, stops the, you know, stops him, gets the tackle, and they don't score on that drive. So when you talk about, you know, that that effort, I mean, shoot, a lot of guys should be up out of that 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 Cowboys defense if that's the case, because I think with them at this point, I think they mentally they're done. So you know when when you have when you have the, the defense playing as bad as they've played and and kind of canceling out everything that Dak does. I'm not even talking about Andy Dalton because this is, it's been downhill from the Dak injury. But everything that he was doing, Dak was putting up MVP numbers before he got hurt. But you know when you got to put up 45 to 50 points to win because your defense is so horrible. It's not too much you can do. So I think they, they have kind of come to terms with the fact that this thing is over for the season. So if you can get little pieces here and there, traffic here and there to kind of to kind of build for next season, then, you know, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. I, mentally to me, I, I it feels like they've checked out. I'm not going to say they have. There's still a lot of season left, but it feels that way. Um, we talked about it last week. You know, you can criticize the coaching all you want. Coaching has very little to do with your effort. You have to want to play week in, week out. And I know some people be like, oh, the, you know, they in shootouts every week. That's demoralizing. Well, you're in shootouts because your de your defense hasn't given an effort from the start of the game. Your, your defense yeah. hasn't come out to play. You know, the guys you're paying the most money to, like Zeke, who continues to drop passes and fumble, are stinking up the joint, you know. And for all the talent they have on their team, you and I both said it in, in the preseason uh, preview that we did, that we thought that they were the best team in the NFC East based off talent. They haven't shown that. And I've seen more effort from the Giants this year. I've seen more effort from Washington this year. I've seen more effort from other teams that have less talent than them who week in, week out are trying to compete. It doesn't always go your way, but teams are trying to compete. The Carolina Panthers don't have the type of talent that the Cowboys have, yet every week Teddy Bridgewater has his team in contention to win a game. So the Cowboys, it, it may be coaching, but I think there's a number of issues there, and it starts from the top. Jerry Jones has to figure out what he's doing wrong as an owner and why these type of things always happen to the Cowboys. Because if not for two really fluky comebacks, the comeback against Atlanta and the comeback against the Giants, the Cowboys would be 0-7 right now. That's how bad they've been this year. Yeah. And whether they've mentally checked out or not, whether they feel, hey, we, we just are a game away from getting this turnaround, the effort needs to be better. And I need to see guys out there who are running around as if this means everything to them. 
Don't wait till the last four weeks of the season and now start showing effort when you can show it now. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, you know, but I mean, I mean, I, I laugh at this because again, it's, it's, it's Dallas. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, the defense has definitely have to have to get that together. They got to figure something out. You can't just. I mean, it can't be every, every year now. It's, it's the coaches. Fault. It's not even the players' fault. You gave Demarcus Lawrence this big contract, and he has not come anywhere close to living up to the amount of money you just paid him. Um, you know, it's I don't. I, I hope it, it's not about to be an Albert Hainsworth situation where he got all that money and then that was just it. He was washed after that. Um, but shoot, if this didn't get any worse, we, we might get to that point. So. I, it's tough, man. I, I don't know, but I, who, who, who are you taking in this game? You, you got? Are you going? Are you going to Eagles or Cowboys? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. In the battle I'm, of the trash cans. Yeah, um, I'm taking the Eagles. Um, one because they're at home, and two because they actually have their starting quarterback. Who I think Carson Wentz hasn't played bad this year. I just think that the injuries have mounted, and we talked about that too in the preseason preview that they were seeing that because they're so hurt on a consistent basis, you never get a real gauge of what this team could be. You know, Deshaun Jackson's out again. Jalen Rager, who was a high draft pick for them, is out again. Uh, they got O-line issues. They got defensive line issues. Um, but I, I got the Eagles winning the game. I will say the Eagles, again, have been more competitive than Dallas. The Eagles have lost some games late. Um, they, they, they fought tough against Pittsburgh, and they lost that game late as well recently. So, I'll take Philly, and I think this becomes a game that might propel them to win the division because, quite frankly, the division is trash, as we talked about, man. You know, yeah. it's not like the other division. Uh, there's a particular division, in, in, well, a couple, but one mainly in the AFC North that's really good. Obviously, we got Pittsburgh and Baltimore today. I know I know how you feel about the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They had opportunities to win today. Yeah, Ravens go um, to 5-2. Pittsburgh goes 7-0. What's your takeaway from, from today's game? Well, my what I'm pissed off about is that we lost our left tackle for the season because of T.J. Watt with his nonsense. Um, I, I, I'm highly upset about that. Um, and, and the thing that makes it worse, I mean, I'm glad he got his money, but he literally just got his new contract yesterday. And then you know, for for, for this to happen on some on a BS fight, like what? Um, I was I was so pissed off because I knew it was going to be a long term thing. I was hoping it might have just been for a couple of weeks, and um, and, and he would have been able to, to to come back. But I'm gonna miss Ronnie Stanley. Uh, you know. Damn, man, it just sucks because, you know, we know how important that left tackle is to the quarterback position. And, you know, the Ravens still had a chance to win that game. But not only do we lose still, we lost our, our right guard as well. I, um, I don't know if he's going to be done for the season. So this really sucks for the Ravens. That's, that, that's huge, huge losses. I know they moved um, Orlando Brown Jr. over to left tackle. But when you're talking about, uh, Ronnie Staley being the best left tackle in football, that's a huge loss for the Ravens, especially for a quarterback who 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 lives off of his legs and being able to to to, to get into the open field and make things happen with his legs if things aren't open with his arms. So that's going to be a huge loss to to lose the best left tackle in football. Plus, you lose 
the guard. Pablo, he's going to be out for It's going to be a tough next couple of weeks for Baltimore. Um, I wonder if they try to, to, to make a move to show up that offensive line if there's somebody available. But something's going to have to happen soon because trade deadline is among us. Yeah, um, like you said, they, lo they lose 40% of their offensive lines today with those injuries. Um, they, I I'm sure they'll try to make a move, um, figure something out over the next two weeks. Um, my thing with the Ravens is, and, and I had them high again in my, my top five as far as AFC title contenders, but what we're seeing from them that, that's bothering me a little bit is they just don't have the playmakers at wide receiver. And every big play that they hit is based off of Lamar being able to extend the play, move around, run around, and give his receivers more time. And ultimately, you just can't win that way consistently. You can do it here and there. And it showed today. There were times where Lamar just didn't have anything. And he had to try to create it. And by doing that, all right, he's able to find a receiver after he breaks the pocket. But the better the teams get, the better the competition gets, the more that's at stake, the harder it becomes to rely on that. You need guys who can run routes, get open immediately. And so that your quarterback, listen, Lamar took some big hits today, bro. Lamar took some really big hits today. That can't happen. That cannot happen with with the future of your franchise and everything that's at stake with this organization that's tied into Lamar Jackson. They missed a golden opportunity. You and I talked about it. They had a chance. They could have brought in Antonio Brown for whatever reason they didn't. And today it showed. They need a guy who can beat man-to-man -man coverage, who can get open and be the safety net. Mark Andrews was double teamed all game today because the Steelers knew that's his favorite target. So we're going to take him away. And guess what? Willie Sneed, you're not good enough to beat us in one-on-one coverage. DuVernay, you're not, better, you're not good enough to beat us in one-on-one coverage. Hollywood Brown, you ain't good enough to beat us in one-on-one -on -one coverage. So Baltimore's going to have to figure it out pretty quick because we know how the league works. The league is going to see that tape, and the league is going to say, all right, this is how you defend them. This is how you take those things away. And when you get an opportunity, you put a big hit on Lamar to slow him down. They're going to have to figure it out. Um, I, I think I think it is concerning. I, I do. I, they're a playoff team. They're going to the playoffs. They're not. That's not what's in question here. I think what's in question is we look at this team as a true Super Bowl contender. And in order for them to take that next step, the receivers are going to have to start playing better, and they're going to have to protect Lamar. You're missing 40% of your offensive line now. He's going to start taking bigger hits if you guys can't figure something out offensively. Yeah, or you better go out uh, before the trade deadline and try to get you a wide receiver. Um, you know, I know the Falcons said they wasn't trading Julio, but you better see what you can give them or, you know, talk to the Saints again. They've been beefing with Michael Tom Thomas. They've been talking about, you know, trading. You know, I, I know uh, Sean Payton said it wasn't happening, but it, they, we keep getting these whispers of them, you know, possibly moving uh, Michael Thomas. So you better see what's up. When one of these guys Listen. available. I know the Broncos yeah. may not trade it within the division, but I know John Ross is is is, uh, is available. Maybe maybe you can bring him over. Right, the Bengals have made Ross available. Um, there's also there's always been talk for the last uh, I should say last year and a half, not always, but last year and a half there's been talk about AJ Green as well. I don't know if they would do it to, to Baltimore, but obviously he should be available. Um, and I'm not sold on Des Bryant. I mean, Des Bryant ain't oh, played no. football in almost three years. No, you know, he's I mean, played football in almost three years, so yeah, I, I, is he even faster than Mark Andrews much, at this point? I, I mean, it, I just don't know what, what you expect for him to bring because 
you haven't played football in three years. And physically, yes, he looks like he's in shape, but is he in game shape? Is he in football shape? Yeah, those are two completely different things. So Baltimore's going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to get very creative with their offense, I think, moving forward, because I did not like the hits that Lamar was taking today. I thought that was – they were really hanging them out to drive with some of them hits and some of them plays they were calling. They had a play inside the five-yard line where it was pretty much a quarterback draw, and he gets lit up at the at the two-yard line, and it's like, why? Are, he should not be taking that type of hit. Yeah. Yeah, listen, man. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. What do you, what do you think uh, about Pittsburgh at this point? 7-0. The schedule hasn't been too tough. Uh, today, obviously, probably was their best challenge of, of the season. Um, but they, they've got a top five defense. They've got an offense that makes plays when necessary. 7-0, do you feel they are the best team in the AFC? No, oh no, definitely the best team in the AFC. The best team in the AFC is the Chiefs. Yeah, hands down. Um, you know, and again, the, the Steelers, and I, and I don't want because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm team Ravens all day, but they haven't had the toughest of schedules. The second half of the season is going to be a lot tougher for them than the first half of the season. Um, you know, this, the Ravens had a chance to win this game up until the end of the game. You know what I mean, and that's and that's with them losing the best left tackle in football in the first quarter. They were still in this game from from the beginning. So you know, we, you see the difference when they're playing the tougher opponents. Um, you know, last week was a, wound up being a shootout with the uh, with the Titans. Um, so. You know, definitely not the best team in the AFC right now. I mean, I, you still got to give that to the Chiefs, especially, and you know this better than better anybody, with uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing 416 yards and five touchdowns. You ain't coming close to that. Um, Claypool has been really good, but he's fumbled the last two weeks. Um, I picked him up in fantasy football, so he's been giving me the points. But the little fumbles here and there, you know, that knock off a couple of points. I'm still good, and I uh, thank you, Eric, because, uh, you know, between you and your guy Patrick Mahomes, I'm about to jump back in the first place next week with the win over over CJ. Shout out to CJ. She was rocking out with us last week. We should have got a little more fantasy football when CJ was here. Right, we should have. We should have. Because <laughs> we've been getting beat up all season by all of us. So we should have. But it, but you know, but it's all good. Um, right now, uh, you know, fantasy football is, is looking really good. It's, it's crazy because it's actually kind of close throughout uh, the entire the entire league is actually maybe like a game or two, with the exception of like the uh, the, the bottom two, uh, you know, teams in, in the league. It's, it's pretty close. Um, but I'm, I'm in second place right now with a win this week and a win from Eric this week. I should be able to move back into uh, it's, it's a first place. And, um, and you'll probably take a huge leap this week as well. Um, with, with your win, because a couple of teams that's in front of you that are losing right now as well. So, yeah, there's there's like a log jam of teams. Um, so it, it it'll help out. But I mean, in regards to Pittsburgh, um, yeah, you're right. Kansas City's the best team. Um, I, I don't think Pittsburgh is on that level, uh, and that's not diminishing being a seven zero team. But just looking back at their schedule, um, they could have lost opening day to the Giants. A couple mistakes in the red zone changed that game. Uh. Close game against Denver, they won. Close game against Houston, they won. Close game against Philly, they won. Could have lost to Tennessee last year. I mean, last week, kicker misses a field goal. Could have lost this week to Baltimore. So they are in that range of, yeah, we're 7-0, and but we easily could be 4-3. and There could have been a couple of losses there as well. And today's game was more about the mistakes of Baltimore as opposed yeah. to what Pittsburgh did right. 
Lamar Jackson throws a pick six on the third play of the game. Lamar Jackson can't convert in the red zone to end the game. So those two things change the dynamic of how that game plays out because they lose by four points. Ben Roethlisberger didn't even throw for, for 200 yards today. They didn't have a 100-yard running back. So it was more about the mistakes of Baltimore as opposed to what Pittsburgh did. Moving forward, Pittsburgh's schedule is still soft. I mean, they got Dallas next week. They got the Bengals the week after. They got Jacksonville after that. So there is potential for this Steeler team to be 10-0. and 0. But then when they get to that 10-0 and 0 mark, that's when the schedule starts to get tougher. They still got another game against Baltimore. They got a game against Buffalo. They got a game against the Colts. So three of their last six games is where it really could get tough for them. And obviously, we're not talking about them as an undefeated team. But what's going to happen is I don't think we're going to get a really good gauge on who Pittsburgh is until we get to that point in the schedule, which is which won't be to like week 11. You know, when they face Baltimore again, when they get Buffalo, when they play the Colts, all three of those teams are playoff caliber teams. We're going to get a better idea of where Pittsburgh is in regards to Super Bowl contender or you just got fat off a really soft schedule. Nonetheless, they're still not the best team in the AFC. I think Kansas City week in, week out continues to show us that. I, I still don't think there's a defense that can stop Patrick Mahomes. That point blank period. And I'm not even talking about what took place today against the Jets. Uh, Mahomes, shout out <laughs> to you because single-handedly, single Mahomes already won this fantasy week for me. Um, he, without anything else anybody did, he, he, he won them the 90 points by himself. But the, the one loss they have this year against the Raiders had nothing to do with the Chiefs' offense. Their offense yeah. put up 30-plus points. It was just that their defense struggled in that game. If their defense can just find ways to hold you to field goals, bend but don't break, you're not going to beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. Doesn't matter what you're yeah. doing at them. Mahomes can adjust. They've got the most weapons on offense. They still haven't even figured out how they're going to use Le'Veon yet. So, God forbid they figure that part out. They're the best team in the AFC. Yeah, it's not even close. Um, really quick, we did see Le'Veon Bell in action this week. He, I mean, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't look good. He caught a couple of passes that, that was decent. Um, do, do, do you think that, that Le'Veon Bell maybe has lost the step? And he, we're not going to ever see that Pittsburgh Le'Veon Bell again? Uh, I don't think he's lost a step. I think that his timing is off because he's missed so much football over the last three years. Um, again, he sat out a whole year with Pittsburgh. Last year, he missed seven games, I believe, with the Jets. So that's almost the equivalent of a half a season. This year, he had already been out about three or four games before he got released. So over the last three years, he's missed almost the equivalent of two seasons of football. You know, he's got to get his he got to get his timing back. He's got to get his feel for the game back a little bit. And I think Kansas City understands that. And Kansas City, I, I would think, is playing the long game with this. And that, hey, we just want to get you right come December. Let's get you comfortable. Because if we get into December and we have the Le'Veon Bell we, we all expect you to be, then we are unstoppable. If we can run the ball with Le'Veon Bell the way anything close to the way he did in Pittsburgh, there is no way you can stop the Kansas City offense. So I think that's what they're looking for. They're just looking to get him um, back in the groove of things, back in, get his timing right, get him acclimated with some of the things that they're doing. He's going to be fine. I, I think he still has got a lot of game left. Um, I, I don't think there's a situation where he's done. Really quick, uh... Monday Night Football picks. 
Tom Brady is facing the the New York Giants team that's given the most trouble uh, over the years. <laughs> the Giants still are winning this one. <laughs> I, I I don't think they will. Um, Tampa is is seemed to be getting on a little bit of a roll the last few weeks. Talking about a guy who's getting acclimated and getting comfortable. Tom looks like he's getting comfortable, mm-hmm. so I don't think they will. Um, and I, I want to say this game is going to be close because, again, a majority of the Giants games have been close this year. But I think Tampa's defense is starting to flex a little bit, too. And I think Tampa's defense is starting to feel like, you know what? We know we got offensively. Now we can start getting aggressive and dominate defensively, too. I think it's going to be a long night for Daniel Jones. Um, one thing to look out for, too, I, I don't have the, the exact number in front of me, but I think I think Daniel Jones has turned the ball over in something like 13 straight games he's gonna turn the ball over again tomorrow he's gonna turn the ball over again tomorrow whether it's a fumble whether it's an interception he will turn the ball over again tomorrow i'm I'm sure he will so i i I gotta agree with you on that one eric as much as it pays me to to say and 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 to see this thing like this i'm definitely picking a sample to uh to, to to win this game um, like you said, Tom Brady is starting to get comfortable. He was looking like uh, Thomas Brady uh, early on in the season. He's getting back to being Tom too cool. Um, and, and I think with the addition of Antonio Brown, it's just going to make things even easier for him. Um, you know, just because, again, they had a great rapport in Wingland. And obviously, he's in, he's in Tampa because Tom Brady wanted him to be in Tampa. Because as you, as you mentioned uh, last week, Arians was not for signing Antonio Brown at the beginning of the season. And, you know, which, I mean, granted, Antonio Brown wasn't available, so I'm pretty sure if Tom Brady wanted him at the beginning of the season, he would have been there at the beginning of the season if he was able to play. Um, but the fact that he's there now just shows Tom Brady wanted him there. That's his guy. And, you know, I just think it's going to get a lot easier. He's going to start looking a lot smoother uh, as the season progresses and they get that that time together again. Hopefully, uh, you know, Mike Evans and Godwin can actually stay healthy and be on the field because that's a lot of firepower. Yeah, um, they're clicking, man. They've got to figure it out, I think. And, you know, we can't forget there was no preseason. There was no real training camp. Now they got it going. He's looking like an MVP candidate. AB is just another weapon that makes it so much tougher for them now. It's so much tougher for defenses to, to game plan for and to stop them. Uh, I still want to see it. Like I said, I'm still going to hold out big hopes until I see it. But in regards to tomorrow, they've got more than enough to beat the Giants. I don't even think Tom will put up big numbers because the Giant defense is actually ranked in the top 10. So that's what's kept the Giants in a lot of these games. Their defense has been very feisty. Yeah. Um, but I think Tampa's defense is so good that they're going to cause some turnovers. They're going to cause some havoc. And they're going to give Tampa some short fields to work with. Now, I will say this, and we haven't really gotten into this too much, but one of the B stories this season, which I think has been very interesting, and I, and I love it, is the back and forth uh, breaking the touchdown, the passing touchdown record between Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Uh, what makes this even even more perfect is that they both play in the same division. They got to see each other one more time before the season is out. There's a good chance they may see each other a third time uh, in 
in the playoffs, um, New Orleans just put the pressure back on this on, on the Bucks because they you know they pulled out a bomb burner with the Bears who who beat up on on Tom Brady and the Bucks uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, Thursday night. Um, so I'm I you know, I can't wait to see how this thing plays out. I'm pretty sure Brady will take the the lead back uh, this week with, with with a couple of touchdowns, uh, you know, against the Giants. But I just think I think it's funny every every week when I watch the the news and I see breaking news, Tom Brady uh, passes Drew Brees on a whole time passing touchdown. Let's and then the following week, Drew Brees passes Tom Brady. I think it's hilarious. Um, but you know we have to we have to enjoy it while it's here because we're really looking at two of the greatest quarterbacks to do it with Tom Brady and, 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 and Drew Brees, two legends, two hall of famers, um, you know, two generational talents at the quarterback position. And I'm glad that as, as, as fans of the sport of football, we get to enjoy this right now and watch the, t- the two, uh, the two older guys in, in the league going back and forth, breaking each other's records every week. It's going to be fun to watch this thing play out. Yeah, and we, we actually get a big treat next week because the Sunday night game this week is uh, New Orleans at Tampa. So, like you who said, Tom, they take the, the lead. Huh? Right, who right. Who leaves the game with who the record? Leave, who leaves the game? Because Tom may take the record back tomorrow, and then either Tom can expand on the record next week or Drew Brees takes it back. But we're going we're gonna to learn a lot about the Saints over the next few weeks, too. I thought today was a big win, like you said. They almost let that get away. They had a 10-point lead late. And they allowed the Bears. I don't I, listen. I don't know how the Bears continue to be in these close games, man. I'm gonna be honest. They have one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in football. And every week, it's it's a nail biter down to the last minute of the game. No matter who they're playing, it doesn't matter whether they're playing the Giants, the Falcons, the Saints. It's always the same thing with with the Bears. But in regards to the Saints, we're gonna learn a lot about them. I had to pull up their schedule real quick because they got Tampa next week. They got the Saints mm-hmm. after that. Uh, I mean, uh, sorry, they got Tampa next week. They got the, the 49ers after that. So that's two big games back-to-back. They get a little bit of break with the Falcons and Broncos, two teams they should beat. Then they get the Falcons again, and they get the Eagles. But then they finish out with the Chiefs, Vikings, and Panthers. Obviously, we know about the Chiefs. I think the Vikings have been better than their record. They won a big game today against Green Bay, and they've been in all their games as well. It's just they've struggled defensively. And again, the Panthers yeah. one of those teams that I don't think I don't think anybody really looks forward to playing the Panthers because they know it's going to be a close game. Teddy has kept that that team in so many games this year, um, but we we're McCaffrey very fortunate. Too. We'll have they'll have McCaffrey back by then. Um, they got Derek Brown at defensive tackle, who's my favorite rookie this year. I think the kid has been absolutely dominant on the defensive line. And, yes, he um, has. We, we get we get a, a, a true treat next week, man, because. This week we had this. We got to sit through the Eagles and Cowboys, but next week we get Brady Breeze Part Two. Yes, sir. Again, that, like I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to that game. I really, I can't wait to see who leads that game with the uh, with the record for passing touchdowns. So much going on, and and and, and I got I got to commend the Saints defense because they've actually been stepping it up as well. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore was amazing out there today, and uh, and Cameron Cameron Jordan. 
you know, this, this was actually a pretty big win for them just because of the, the two games they have coming up next. So you don't want to lose this game. And then you got the Bucks coming up, followed by the 49ers right after that because there's a chance that it, that could have been a three-game skip for you guys. You know what I mean? Um, and again, I think they have they can beat either one of these teams, but it's 50-50. It's not, it's not like you said, they, they got the Falcons and the Broncos right after that. This ain't that. This is two of the top teams in the NFL. They got to play back-to-back weeks. So this was actually a huge win um, over over a really tough Bears defense because that defense has been dominant, um, you know, with, with Khalil Mack leading the way. Offense is trash. And every time I watch them play, I think back to uh, was that week uh, two. I sat the ball watching the game when they played the Giants and uh, your boy out there. And I'm just like, yo, we're giving him too much fuel right now. <laughs> like, they got to be brought back down to earth, man. The Bears have to be brought back down to earth because the offense is, is, is not good. I'm just going to call it a spade. The offense is not good at all. Calling uh, it not good is putting it lightly. They Coming into today, I believe they were ranked 28th offensively. Um, which puts you in the territory of teams like the Jets and the Jaguars. Yeah, they are a disgusting offense. And shout out to my man, O, who's a big Bears fan. It's, it's a crime. It's a crime that within the last 20 years, we are on a second edition of a really good Bears defense. Because in the early 2000s, were Erlacher and Lance Briggs um, and, and um, Tillman, Charles Tillman, they had – Pro Bowl caliber guys, and they had a terrible offense. And we're seeing it again, as you mentioned, Khalil Mack, uh, Eddie Jackson in the secondary, Fuller, uh, Akeem Nix. They've got multiple Pro Bowlers on their defense. And that offense every week looks like a peewee football offense that's struggling to just get past the 50-yard line. Like, for them to get up across the 50-yard line is an accomplishment if they can at least get in the field goal range. They, they feel happy that we were able to at least do that. And it's disgusting. It's terrible football to watch. We shouldn't have to watch it as fans. Why should we have to watch that type of offense, you know, in this day and age? Like, they're taking us back to the point where there was no forward passing football. That's how bad they are. You know, you know, you know why we're subject to this? I'm going to tell you why. And you, you, know, you know the reason why it's subject to this. Because you had a brain-dead GM that thought it was okay to pass up on, on a guy like Sean Watson. <laughs> <laughs> you could have had that guy. You could have had Mahomes, and you go for Mitchell Trubisky. That's why we have to be subject to this, Eric. That's the yep. reason why we have to be subject to this. So they, congratulations to that guy. They they passed on. Us. They passed on to Sean and Patrick Mahomes because they felt they felt Mitchell mm-hmm. Trubisky was the future, and traded away the house to get him too. And and then now look at you, he ain't playing him. He he's second string right now. <laughs> so actually, he, won't, he won't be getting good. No, they actually put him in today for one play to run the ball. They actually put him in and put a design quarterback run. That's how disgusting that offense is. Yeah. It, it's it's sad. And I feel bad because Montgomery, I think, is decent. Um, you know, but it's just it, it's bad out there what's going on in the office of Chicago. But you know, I, I don't. I didn't pick them to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not changing my pick on that either way. Um, I don't even think they'll be sniffing at the at the Super Bowl. But uh, you know, I I gotta I gotta say say this. Uh, you know, the, the the gambling the gamblers have been active this week uh, over the past couple of weeks uh, betting on this uh, presidential election, and um, there's actually been more money bet on this presidential election than there was for the Super Bowl. 
which I thought I thought was crazy. Um, but I, you know, the only, oh, obviously the only reason we we, we 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 told you guys this at home is just to, to stress the importance of you guys getting out there and voting. Um, if you were able to, I believe in New York, the, the early uh, voting is today was was the last day for it. Um, so, but if you have already, great. And if not, November third, make sure that you guys hit the polls up. I'm gonna be out. Um, the polls open at six o'clock. I'm gonna head over at about six fifteen in the morning just so I can get it done. I'm gonna beat the rush before everybody just uh, just comes out. Um, but make sure that you guys get out there and vote is very important. Um, I, you know, at this point, Eric, you put that video in the group chat. You know, spoke about what was going on in Minnesota where they where they they pulled the Mickey Ficky out there <laughs> and switched up on the on the voters with the with the mailing uh, ballots and, and and whatnot. So just get out there, go to the polls and vote. Um, again, we are in the midst of a pandemic. COVID is still alive and well. So if you are out, just get your mask and get your gloves because you know on the vote on the on the, the when you go to vote, there's gonna be a lot of people touching those things. So it's gonna be a lot of germs spread back and forth. So have a pair of gloves with you, have your mask on, and you'll be you, sh you know you'll be fine. Um, you know, but just make sure you vote. That's that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Make sure you vote uh, however you have to do it. I've done mine through a mail-in um, because I'm in the process of moving, obviously. But And, I, and I've got to be honest, too. Um, this is my first time voting. I've never voted before this. Um, I've always been very skeptical of the process. But I also felt like everything that took place this year uh, put me in a place mentally where I felt like I have to vote. I, I've got to at least exercise that right, no matter what the outcome is. And, and I'm not um, I'll never lie to you guys and make it seem like I'm totally confident in the process because we know that the, the process can be very, can, can be very iffy to put it lightly, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But it's important that we do it. As you mentioned in Minnesota, you know, a last minute ruling, um, that a lot of people weren't even aware of in the state changed it from your mail and ballot has to be received by a certain time and a certain date. Um, a last minute change that took place over the last week last week which is completely unfair for those who wanted to just do a mail-in ballot as you said so that they wouldn't have to be in contact with hundreds of people waiting online or in the, in the balloting uh, uh locations so you know um republicans are doing any and everything to eliminate your vote it's important that we do vote it's important that we exercise that right and um and i will say too man stay safe bro everybody but but my brother stay safe as well because i just i have a bad feeling about how this whole situation gonna play out man yeah oh, that's why i said I'm, I'm going at six o'clock yeah. in the morning i'm out i'm gonna go yeah. get in and get out bro i don't want, want to be out there all day because i got to shoot later on in the day anyway so i can't be out there all day like that anyway, so i'm trying to go on yeah i just i just encourage everyone to be safe man because uh our, our current uh commander-in-chief we know what he's about and you know he he is provoking and and trying to stem up a certain atmosphere within the country that i think is, is going to be very bad come next week um if you haven't already too i put it in the group chat as you talked about not only the 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 voting situation in minnesota but a documentary called totally under control which i think everyone should watch because it speaks to how flawed the current administration has been and the way they handle things and this documentary specifically focuses on COVID-19 
and how early the administration was made aware of what was going on and yet how late they decided to react and put measures in place to help the country and that that's it's very big if you if you don't know if you haven't watched it already make sure you watch it it talks about how the previous presidency obviously obama had left them already the playbook as to what to do in a pandemic and they literally trashed it they literally said ah we're not going to need that and then had the nerve to try to blame the previous presidency and make it seem as if they never handled H1N1 correctly. They didn't handle uh, Ebola correctly. And none of those other pandemics or, or you know viruses that took place under Obama came even close to the death total that we've seen with COVID-19. So it was a complete mishandling. And this is a man that should not be running a country. If you can't listen to the experts, if you can't follow the script that has already been left for you to handle a pandemic of this sort, you have no business running the country. Point blank period. Yeah, well, the, the problem is is that he has so much hatred and jealousy of President Obama that you couldn't even take, like you said, that, that playbook and, and run with it. You had to do your own thing. You wanted to get rid of all that. You, you, you're working so hard to erase everything that President Obama did that you, you cost this country... Uh, hundreds of thousands of of lives. You know, you put everybody at risk with this virus because you want to distance yourself so much when, when in reality you're benefiting so much off of the work that President Obama did. So, you know, just listen, just make sure you guys get out there and, and vote. And um, you know, let's let's make this change count, man. Let's make Absolutely. let's make November third count. That's what we gotta do. Right. No, no matter what happens next week, exercise your right. That's a fact. Um, really quick, because we got we running low on time. NBA, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna skip over some stuff. We'll, we'll get back to a couple of things uh, next week. But Eric, I want to give you the chance first and foremost. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm gonna let you have your time. Talk to me about the the, the new coaching hires for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, nothing makes me higher. Uh, nothing makes me happier than an incompetent organization i should know because i've been rooting for one for decades the nets again you hire a inexperienced head coach steve nash you made an announcement about amari stoudemire now we hear that mike d'antoni yes that mike d'antoni who's never won anything in the nba uh will be an assistant to steve nash I don't know if this is all about a nostalgic feel. Now, now the Phoenix Suns of, of 2005 are back together. Um, but this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing to watch. D'Antoni absolutely coaches no defense. Amari has never coached. Steve Nash has never coached. Kyrie Irving feels like they don't need a coach. Mm-hmm. And KD is sensitive to... Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and KD feels like he's sensitive to anything you say that's negative to him. So... This is going to be great to watch. Um, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, if, if you like D'Antoni so much, why didn't you just hire D'Antoni as the head coach? Why would you let Nash be the head coach and then bring in an assistant coach who has more experience than a head coach? Well, I will, I will say this, Eric, and I would be highly upset if this doesn't happen. If I don't see Joe Johnson on the coaching staff by next week... <laughs> I'm gonna be tight. I want to get the band all back together. If everybody's I mean, coming from that Suns team, I'm gonna bring Joe Johnson. 
I'll do you one better. Let's bring on Sean Marion. Let's just bring yeah. Sean Marion over. <laughs> exactly. Bring the, whole, bring the whole game. Yeah. Uh, listen, I don't understand what they're doing at all. Uh, this To me, this is terrible management, and it's starting from the top because they hired Steve Nash, and we talked about this. They hired Steve Nash when no one had Steve Nash on their radar, right? I didn't, I didn't even know Steve had Nash to sign the coach at that point. Right. They could have waited. They could have waited a few weeks, and they probably could have got Doc Rivers. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they could have waited a few weeks and had Doc. And then, and, and, and not to mention the fact that they had overlooked Mark Jackson for whatever reason. So you had coaches with more experience that were, that were available, but you took Steve Nash. And then you're hiring, again, why hire Dan Tony, who's been a head coach in the league for the last 15 years, to now be an assistant on a staff with Nash and Amari? What sense does that make? How so? You're telling me Nash's voice is going to be more powerful than Dan Tony's in the huddle when when the guys are going to look around and be like, "Bro, you've never coached a game. At least this dude is coached." Yeah, I, I don't know how this whole thing is gonna is gonna play itself out. I I mean, I'm hoping for the best, and that's all I can do in this situation. I hope they get it together. Um, I I I guess I'll say this: I hope that everyone stays healthy. Because if everyone stays healthy, they should make a, a deep playoff run with that team. Um, but I just, I just don't know. And the more coaching choices that I see coming in, I'm a little bit more confused. And I'm just gonna hope that this thing works itself out and 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 they do what they're supposed to do. And maybe it won't matter. Maybe all of these guys won't matter. Maybe the team will just me that good that it won't even matter who the coaching staff is. I mean, listen, we, it, we'll never deny the talent they have on the team with, uh, obviously, with KD, Kyrie. Karis LeVert is very good. Spencer Dinwiddie. They got some good players. So talent alone is going to at least get them to the playoffs. And talent alone will probably even get them to the second round of the playoffs, right? Because most teams that have two superstars at least get to the second round. But to me, that's where it stops. Because at that point, that's when you need more than talent. That's when you need the coaching. That's when you need... Uh, chemistry built on a team that can get you beyond, you know, just talent, and and that's where it gets tricky for them because it, it, there's no there's nothing anyone can tell me that's going to convince me that I should have confidence in Steve Nash to draw up plays and and come out of timeouts in a way that's going to make this team better than just the parts that they have. If it's purely based yeah. off the parts they have on most nights, KD's going to be cooking on most nights. On most nights, Kyrie going to get his. But in a seven-game series against the good teams with a good coach, is Steve Nash ever going to be able to outcoach Eric Spolstra? Probably not. Is he ever going to outcoach Brad Stevenson? Probably not. Is he ever going to outcoach Nick Nurse? Probably not. So, again, I've just named three of the best teams in the East, and yeah. you're trying to fight yeah. that battle with an inexperienced head coach. Yeah, listen, you're absolutely right. Hope they get it together. Uh, we're going to end it off with, with, with a funny story on, on this one. We spoke about Sean Kemp uh, opening up his uh, weed business last week. Um, but now he has talked about his uh, his his usage uh, during his playing days. Uh, I'm going to assume it was the, during the, the Cleveland days when he kind of, you know, maybe he had the munchies and, you know, because he kind of, you know, he, he got a little bigger at that point, slowed down. So it was that point. But who knows? He could have been smoking throughout his entire career. Um, 
you know, shout out to a uh, thousand watts magazine. They, 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 uh, called me up to write an article, um, about the marijuana usage in the sports world, uh, a couple of years ago. And I, you know, I just listed all the players that, um, that were, I guess, more known for using during that time in the, uh, in, in professional sports. But I guess I got to add Sean Kemp to the list of players that, uh, smoked during their, their, their careers. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, Al had told us some things. Al Harrington had told us some things in regards to, you know, players and how they handle recovery and rest and all those type of things. So I'm not surprised. And you brought up a great point because uh, Kemp, I don't want to say let himself go, but he gained quite a bit of weight in Cleveland. And yeah. at that time, I'm sure there wasn't much to do in the city of Cleveland anyway. So <laughs> he, 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 I'm an Afro essay because I got high. Right. <laughs> he, he might he, he might have said, look, I, I, I could run these streets and get in a lot of trouble out here, or I could just chill and kick back and smoke a little something. And, you know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm ordering food at one in the morning instead of instead of being at the club. And I think that's the path he chose. Well, listen, we definitely wish him the best, you know, starting his weed empire. Uh, get, you know, you mentioned out here. Shout out to out Harrington, friend of the show. Uh, really quick before we get up out of here, let me just thank all the sponsors. Petro Home Services, Kmart, the Rosado Firm. Um, you know, just want to thank all you guys for, for rocking out with us. Um, you know, and uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to 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 our podcast and our you know family extended family podcast, the Sanchez Show, and shooting this shit as well. You can catch them on all major streaming platforms. And um, just hit us up on the web, man, realfansrealtalk.com. You can catch all of the new blogs on the site. Keep yourself updated with what's going on in the sports world. But if you want to holler at us directly on Instagram or Twitter, it's at realfantalk. And on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash realfansrealtalk. And, of course, subscribe to that YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash for the fans productions. That's where you get all the exclusive content at. Uh, Eric, final thought. Um, as you said, subscribe to all the podcasts, man, um, and exercise your right to vote, man. Get out there, vote, no matter how you feel about the process, and take it from me, somebody who's still to this day skeptical of the process, we've got to exercise our right to vote. That's a fact. And I'm actually up. You guys know we are big uh, battle rap fans on this show. Uh, we've had several battle rappers. I got We got the Math Hoffa interview that has been dropping in pieces. Um, as well, but there was a huge battle, maybe battle of the year went down uh, this past weekend, Murder Mook versus Tay Rock, shout out to Murder Mook man, I, I think I think the goat is back so, uh, with a crazy performance last night I, I want to say this on that, right, I was uh, for, I'm mad at Smack I'm mad at Smack because you don't put that type of battle out on the night of a fight, alright that's first and yeah. foremost you had me with my phone to my side while watching the TV, waiting for the main event. So, Smack, you got to do better. I caught bits and pieces of the battle, again, because the fight was on. Right as Javante gets the knockout, at that point, uh, it's like the end of the first round of the Mook Rock battle. So, I missed yeah. most of the first round, and then I caught it from there. Mook's third round was phenomenal, bro. Mook's third round is is one of those, again, that five years from now, we're going to put it on YouTube and watch it. Keep watching it. It's phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's right he up there. To my soul. Oh, oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. And and 
I gotta say this because you and I have had this talk off air. I, I I've known I, I've known Tay Rock since he was fourteen. Yeah. When I first, you know, when my my daughter was very young and I was actually living in Hartford County, I remember him being that dude that was battling in the back of barbershops with with the you know with the size eight fitted hat on. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah, yeah. You you laughing because you know. So there were things that Moog said that I, you know, my nephew who was watching the battle was looking at me like, is he just rapping and telling the truth? I'm like, nah, some of that stuff is the truth. He 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 he's speaking to a soul, like you said. Um, Rock did his thing, but that third round from from Mook, it, it goes in the history books right up there with that loaded Lux round one against Calico, mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorites all time that third round that Surf had against Hitman Holler. Um, yeah, to me is is but I want to go back and watch the whole battle because people online yeah, have that, people saying online that Rock won a two one. Well, I mean, those, that's you know that's the fans. I can't like you can't you know because fans play favorites, but if you look at like the Major media outlets in battle rap, the battlers themselves, right. outside outside of surf, because obviously that's his man, so you're not going to admit that. Yeah. yeah, but uh, immediately, shout out to Goods, he was on on his uh, caffeine channel right after saying that Mook won. Sean said Mook won. Geechee Gotti said Mook won. Now is the guy from Hip Hop Is Real said Mook won. Uncle Ra. Um, math, I mean, math said he was going to win before the battle anyway, right. but you know, uh, core, you know, so every you know, for the most part, like, I, I don't really go by the fan votes in certain situations just because of the fact that Tay Rock's fans are in the internet era and he's he's been battling consistently, he's you know, he's probably the top guy right now in battle rap. So he has that that fan base that is already on the, the apps and then be doing all of the voting and stuff. So I don't really put it based on that, but you know it, it just showed in that battle that it's levels. There's levels uh, to, to to this, and Mook showed that he's on on the highest of of tiers, with, especially with that with that with that third round. Rock was a little bit more general. Like I felt like a lot of his material could have went towards anybody, whereas Mook was just straight punching Rock in the face every bar, every round, and Mook got better every round. And I yeah. thought um, I gotta watch it again to see if I feel like it's a thirty because I thought Mook was was wilding in the second round as well, but I just thought Tay Rock's second round was really good as well too. So I gotta watch it again, but I think that Mook, I mean clearly. Even if you look at the fan votes on the third round, I think that, you know, as the battle went on, the fans started leaning towards Mook. There was a lot of hate in the comment from, like, other battle rappers. Right. But even in that last round, when I checked it last, it was, like, 12,000 to 2,000 in favor of Mook for that, um, for that last round. So I think the online fans finally realized why Mook is where he is in battle rap. And they had to give it up at, at that point. And again, he was just so nah, much more direct. Yeah. The the third round, it, it it Rock didn't even have to spit in the third round. It was done. That was it. Like it, yeah, it was like he was going to do that. Round, was gonna, that was gonna yeah, that. it was it was yeah, it was nothing you could do to that. Um, I thought I liked Rock's second round, and I agree with you. It it, it wasn't classic, but it was a, a very good second round. And I'm gonna go back and again watch the first round because. It was during the fight, so I, I wasn't paying as much attention to it as as the fight, of course. Um, 
It is Max Sports when you when you mention it though, Eric. It is a sport because the the Villa first start at eight o'clock. They get that right. hour long BS pre show that nobody give a damn about. Everybody in the comments was like, "All right, let's start the battles." Had that happened, we would have been good. Right, and and I was I was locked in the both, bro. I, you know, I'm I'm there with my brother in law. We got the you know we got the fight on and and the undercard fights, which you know you're kind of paying attention to. You know, I mean, you I, I'm, a, I'm a boxing. Right, I'm a, I'm a boxing junkie, so I'm watching, but at the same time, I'm not like focused on that. I'm checking my phone, checking the battles, and all that. And um, I wish, I really wish they would have started it a little sooner because I would have loved to just been able to focus on it. But nonetheless, it was a great day for hip hop, you know. And and that's what's the most important thing. It was it was a great moment for hip hop. Um, two of the top tier guys, Rock has has been one of the top guys for the for several years now, and obviously we know how Mook is viewed and and what Mook has done. So I'm going to go back, I'm going to watch the whole thing, and I'm going to give it a proper evaluation on it. Um, I do know, like I said, I, I saw people were saying, Mook, um, the, the, one, the one person that kept popping up in the comments during the battle that was making it seem as if Rock was going off was Arsenal. Arsenal was heavy on Rock during the battle. He was, he, he was um, a cater though. Right, and he had Jersey and Surf and the connections. Right. So... Right. And I know that's what I'm saying. So I didn't want to let that sway me at all, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch it. But I will say that Mook third round, if if I hear anything from Mook in the first and second round that made the round debatable, it's Mook because that third round is clear as day. That that was a Javante Davis six round knockout. Yeah, that like if because even because I know a lot of people compare um, battle rap to boxing. So even if he was going in the round, that would have been the equivalent of a 10 seven round. That like that's Easily. how that's how Easily. that's how bad it was, and that's the difference between T Rock and Mook in that third round. Mook left Earth completely, left Earth in that third round, and even even like I mean, Rock was using some of the same material used for like for the first and that third. It was just like, bro, like nah, this ain't this ain't hitting. Shout out to both of them though, because at the end of the day, nobody choked. This wasn't like a two-surf type of situation where, like, oh, they went in the first two and then he, they, they messed it up in the third. Uh, you know what I mean? So shout out to both of those guys for completing this battle and for shaking hands and, and showing the growth at the end of that battle. I think for me, that was one of the biggest things. You know, Mook saying, I wasn't going to shake your hand, but I'm going I'm to shake your hand. And it just showed the level of, of, of respect. Um, you know what I mean? Like, when you go to war like that, and, and and guys is fighting, y'all going back and forth. No matter what's the outcome, you gain a, a certain level of respect for your opponent, and we saw that. And and I and I love that. Yeah, I agree. I I always love to see the sportsmanship at the end. Um, I always find it odd though. I'm not gonna lie, because when you saying certain personal shit, like I'm not trying to shake your hand after. However, I do yeah. respect the craft and the, and the sportsmanship of it. And, and like you said, the, the respect and um whether. Rock lost one, whatever, whatever you're feeling on it, anyone's feeling on it. Rock has two classic battles this year because him and Daylight had a classic a few months ago. Yes. And like you said, it, I don't know if we're going to rate it as battle of the year. You know, there's people who are far more experienced than I am in watching the battles. But I do know for a fact he's had two classics this year. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I, absolutely. I do. I will say this. So I hope this will be the last battle. We see them damn contacts and because uh, <laughs> I don't know what bro. the hell he's, he's he, yeah I don't know what's going on in his mind with that but uh, you know shout out to to Smack and shout out to Beasley who's been on the show before um, you guys put on a great a, a great event 
Um, you know, and even during the COVID, you guys have been really working and putting out uh, battles. So big shout out to shout out to everybody that was on the card. D dot uh Jerry West, Danny Myers, Holmesy the God, Loso, Emerson Kennedy. Shout out to everybody that was on, on, on the card. Um, but uh with that being said, man, we're gonna get up out of here for myself, Trip Young, Legend in Two Games, man. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.